It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there, and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Welcome back, everyone. I have with us tonight a super, super special guest. I've been talking to Katie for a while. I think on Clubhouse mostly is how we first found each other, but she and I, would, we would, we would cross paths in different rooms many times and then through Instagram. And so this is Katie Dalby and she, she's amazing. She helps parents raise kind and courageous kids. And she's going to tell you exactly how she does that. Um, she's a step-by-step plan, so to speak, that is really, really helpful, especially for kids like mine, my out of the box kids who sometimes, I don't know, it just, it doesn't always come naturally to them and they, they need a little guidance and they need support in doing and showing kindness and, and respect for others. And, and honestly, it's because sometimes they don't feel it in their own bones as well. Like, you know, they don't, if they don't believe it about themselves, that they're capable, that they can be kind, then it's much harder to get them to show that to other people. And that can be super frustrating for, for moms, especially moms like me. So Katie, welcome to the show. And, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Megan. I'm so excited. I love listening to your podcast. And so it's an honor to be here. Oh, that's thank you so much. That made my day. Um, ditto. Like, I'm so pleased to have you. And, and um, like I said, we've been talking, you know, off and on, but I feel like we've never actually taken the deep dive into you. And so I've, you know, heard pieces here and there, and um, I'm excited to have you fully explain. So start from the beginning, tell us about you and and your family and, and how you came to where you are now. Great. Um, yeah. So I can talk about, you know, my becoming a mom, um, but I was, I'm a late mom. So I became a mom at 37. So it's hard to like talk about my parenting journey without talking about life before parenting. Um, because I feel like I lived this whole life, um, you know, before having kids. And that has really informed what's happened since I had kids. Um, So when I graduated from college, uh, my first job, first like real job after college um, was leading wilderness expeditions with teens who had behavior challenges. That's cool. And yeah, (laughs) Um, I I came to that work when I was in college. I actually thought I was going to be a teacher originally. And I know you're a teacher. I have so much respect for everyone in that profession. And I kind of came from a family of teachers and I, that was the, that was what made sense. And I loved kids and education and everything like that. Um, But when I was in college, I did some classroom observations as part of one of my first teaching courses. And I just didn't think I could do the four walls. I just, it didn't feel right. 
Um, and so I started searching for what else could I do to work with kids, but in a different context. Um, and so I came across this program called Outward Bound um, that works uh, in wilderness settings and outdoor settings and um, takes people out of their comfort zone to help them learn that there's more in them than they knew they were capable of. Um, and to really develop skills like resiliency and teamwork and compassion that they can then take back home with them and apply in their lives. So, um, yeah, it's an amazing program. And actually we work with all ages. So there's adult courses. I would love to get some moms together. Oh my gosh. Like what a great experience. Yes. <laughs> um, it would be for moms. Um, primarily we work, we work with teens, um, and young, like kind of young adults. Um, and this particular program that I started with when I was 22, fresh out of college, um, was with teens who had behavior challenges and some were kind of at risk of entering the court system and some were actually already in the court system. Um, and it was hard, <laughs> it, <laughs> but I fell in love with it. I started thinking I was gonna do an internship and that was it. And then I'd like to go move on to other things. And I, I just fell in love. Um, and so I, for several years, I would spend 20 to 30 days at a time out in the woods with kids and we'd campsite, we'd canoe from one campsite to the next, and we'd set up camp and, um, you know, kind of do all of our stuff, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, paddle to the next campsite. And along the way, because especially because these particular kids in this particular program, were there because of life choices and in order to really reflect on those and learn skills to make changes about the direction of their lives, um, there was a lot of behaviors. <laughs> there was a lot of challenging behaviors. There was a lot of conflict. Um, there was a lot of big emotions. And so I also really kind of fell in love with that work, right? With helping kids through that um, and helping them develop skills to to change the trajectory that they were on. Um, and I learned, I mean, I learned so much from those kids and their families because we would work with their families as well. So we would that like most of them, like they'd come to us for say 20 days and then we would work, we'd go into their homes and we'd meet with their parents and them and their families and we'd help them kind of transfer what they learned back home and help the, help the parents or the guardians support their kids as well. Um, so we'd be teaching them skills. So I was like 22 and like coaching parents on, amazing program. you know, wow. how to support their kids. Um, but it worked because we, we knew what worked for them. So we would take what worked for them in the wilderness setting and help them apply it back at home. Um, and eventually, you know, I learned probably more from those kids than I ever taught them, you know, like. Uh, so many lessons. Um, and the, the biggest thing that I learned from them was how to share power. Um, and I learned that I was never in control as much as I wanted to be as the adult in the situation, as the leader, as the person in charge, um, I was never in control of them. They were always in control of themselves. And so accepting that and understanding that and letting that be and figuring out, well, then I can't control what you do, but how can I support what you do? How can I coach what you do? How can I create environments where 
you want to choose um, to do the right thing, right. Or to, to make the different choice. Um, and so we yeah, had like sharing power, I think was probably the biggest thing that I learned through that experience. Um, and that has really impacted me in my life in general and, and in my parenting. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, first of all, that program like blows me away. Like I think about my students and I think about how and all these faces just pop up in my head, how many of them, and I teach fifth grade, but I also have taught sixth. So, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12, how many of them would benefit so greatly from a program like that and how rewarding because it's just direct. I don't know, like it, you're out in the woods. It's not like you can escape anywhere you can't pull out your phone and it's just you and them and it's real and it's raw and like, wow, like <laughs> that's really what a program I, I, I want to be a part of that program. Yeah. Um, that's just so cool. You said a lot of things just now that absolutely, and this is where we're going next, of course, but apply to, you know, kids at home. Um, maybe not necessarily, certainly from a trauma background, but they may have extra needs. They may be out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, creating, so, you know, my big takeaway right now, well, first of all, the concept of sharing power. And I think that's super important. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more, but you can't control what your kids do. You cannot control their behaviors. So how can you create an environment in your home to set them up for success? So I would love to hear about that. Although you still, I'm cutting you off in your story here. So feel free to keep going along in the journey and get to that eventually. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, So I did that work for several years. I moved into, you know, supervisor positions Um, and eventually that it's a lifestyle, right? You're out for 20 to 30 days at a time. You're not communicating with your friends, your family, like, um, it's very disconnected and I loved it for a period of time. And eventually I kind of want to be in one place for a little while. I want to grow some roots and, and have more consistent relationships. And so I took a full-time job with the organization doing like staffing and training and things like that. Um, and just kind of continued progressing through administration, um, until I got to a position with a significant amount of responsibility. Um, and that it was while I was in that position that I got pregnant and had my first child. Um, and so in that position, I, I, I held a lot. Um, I held a lot and there were times that I was on call for emergency situations and things like that. And it was a pretty stressful job. And it was like, I think my daughter was four months at the time and I had just started back. Um, I took, you know, pretty short leave and then was back, um, easing back in like part-time, but I was on call. And I remember the night that my daughter was nursing and she like needed to nurse and she was like very upset and she needed to. And meanwhile, I got a call because I was on call and I had this person on the phone that I was trying to support as they were, you know, working through this situation. And I, and I just, I couldn't do it. I could not meet both people's needs at the same time. And it was a big kind of wake up for me of this isn't this isn't working. This particular job is not working with my new job as a parent, right? Where I need to be present for her needs. Um, 
and so that that led to me starting to think, okay, what's next? You know, what do I do? And coincidentally, a job opened up at our our national organization um, that was very different in scope, um, but was really about digging into how the Howard Bond process worked and how we developed social emotional skills, like what the staff actually did, what the skills were that we developed, and kind of really going deep into social emotional learning, how it works. And, um, and so I applied for and got this, this other job. So it was a big, hard change because I was leaving the specific programs that I, with those kids um, that we talked about that just were my heart, right? Like I loved working with them, um, but I knew that it just wasn't sustainable with balancing that with the, the family that I was, you know, also committed to. Um, so I took this, this new job and, um, it, it was awesome. And I really got to start like my whole day would be just digging into like, what is social emotional learning and how do we do it? And how do we, how do we teach skills like perseverance and compassion and, um, self-awareness, right? Like, how do you teach that? What are we actually doing with kids to make those changes? And meanwhile, at the same time, I have my own, you know, baby growing into a toddler at home and I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> like, oh boy. It was like, I was living in two worlds. Like, yeah. oh, I can talk about this stuff and how we do it with older kids in particular. And then I had my daughter as she was becoming a toddler and becoming more independent and not wanting to do what we told her to do and running away. She was a runner. She loved to run. And, you know, so it was just this kind of weird situation where I was like this new parent struggling because no one told me how to be a parent, right? Like you don't, you don't get the manual. You don't like, you just assume you're supposed to know. Um, and I definitely struggled when she was, when she was young. I mean, especially that like starting to be a toddler phase as she started developing independence and becoming her own person. Um, and then at, at a certain point, I kind of, I felt like I didn't know anything. Like, what am I, how, what am I doing with this? You know? And then at a certain point I connected like, wait a second, maybe these things that work with teenagers would actually work with my toddler too. And once I made that connection, it was like everything shifted. It's still hard, right? Like being a parent is never going to be a walk in the park, but it gave me, it just gave me access to so many tools and kind of like a framework for how to interact with her and where I wanted to take her. Um, that just really shifted my perspective um, on parenting. Which, you know, having those skills probably hard for you to realize it in the moment, especially in those hard baby and toddler days, but having those skills in your back pocket, yeah, there's definitely a, a connection. And, and when you're talking about developing social emotional skills and, and that learning, it's something that I don't, I have a feeling because myself included, you just don't really think about it that much. You just kind of assume the kids sort of pick up on things, but then again, Sometimes adults don't, don't model that too well either. They, again, it's like this, this cycle of not being taught how to persevere and how to dig deeper inside yourself. And 
Um, so I'm curious to see how you applied your knowledge and expertise to parenting your own child. Yeah, well, we can go back to your question from earlier about like creating that environment. Yes. And in particular, the idea of I can't control you. <laughs> and even though you're only at that point, you know, 18 months or yeah. two years old, like I still can't control you. I can't make you sleep. I can't make you eat. Right. Like, um, can't make you use the potty. (laughs) That's there's, they're making choices even at that age. Um, and so that understanding, I think that everything they do is a choice and, and, and I can't choose for them. I can't make them choose a certain thing, but I can set up an environment and conditions where they're guided towards choices that will be more healthy and productive for them. Um, I think just that knowledge was helpful and two kind of three main things. So structure, you know, creating routines and consistency and clear expectations, and then pairing that with relationship. So having the structure um, to create the patterns, um, and, and really structure helps create safety, um, because our brains are always wanting to know, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Right? Like we have a threat detection system that is there and looking out for things that might not be safe. And so we find safety in predictability and we find safety in routines and in knowing what's expected of us and what we can expect of others. And so by creating that structure, you create an environment where the brain can be more at ease. And then if you, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're fine. And then if you add to that, um, because you, you know, if you are so overly structured and everything is based on the rules and um, then you're, you're lacking their need to be loved, right? Which is another need of the brain to be loved and feel connection. But if you can pair those two together, uh, that creates a really powerful environment for kids to thrive and to learn. Mm. That's actually a really, a really good point that I, I hadn't thought of being a teacher myself and, and growing up with a teacher as well. Structures, you know, and structure and schedules 100%. So I made sure to set that up times a million when my kids were little, but sometimes, you know, I wonder, especially if I was anxious about sleeping schedules or, um, it just, you know, we have to do it this way because that's the schedule I, I, you know, get getting caught up in that and not being flexible enough to connect and say, well, you're really wanting me to sit with you on the couch right now and snuggle. And I'm like, well, this is my chore time and I'm supposed to be cleaning the kitchen right now. And, and having (laughs) needing to make that mental shift, and then the other thing that I was thinking about was um, when the, that phrase creating an environment in your home. And a lot of times when you think of the word environment, you think of physical like pillows and, um, you know, objects, physical things, music. And, you know, today my child didn't want to take his medicine and just like flat out refused, flat out refused. And I was like, okay. I really want to win this battle because he really needs to take his medicine. But I, I, I actually had the thought, am I going to physically put it in his mouth? No, I am not. 
no, I cannot. And even if I, mean, I would never, but even if I did, I can't make him swallow it. We, it's not going to happen. So what can I do? Because if I just stand there and yell, like, you need to take your medicine. Come on, t- take your medicine. The more I come at him like that, because I'm getting worried and anxious that he won't take it, but that's not helping the situation. And so I had to do this shift where, and, and I said to him <laughs> after about 10 minutes of putting my head in my hands like this, and I was like, all right, what, what do you need to, to do this? Like, I would be happy to give you something that would make you happy and maybe make you feel a little more comfortable to take your medicine. Like, for example, maybe we could look at bald eagles on my phone, or maybe you would like to sit in my lap or, and he said, well, how about a Hershey's kiss? (laughs) And I said, done. I don't care if it's bedtime. Hershey's kiss it is like, let's go. And so it came from a place of, I'm telling you to do this thing. You have to do this thing right now to, and that did not work to you get to tell me the conditions on which you will take this medicine. And you know, he's only seven. So he's not thinking too crazy. Like I need a million dollars or something. And he asked for chocolate and I was able to provide that he took his medicine and we moved on. So I think that's what I'm thinking about when you say that phrase, creating an environment. Yeah. And I think it's, like you said, it is the physical and it is the schedules and the routines, but it's also how do we show up for them and having consistency in that, right? So them kind of knowing um, if I screw up or if I make a mistake, how is mom going to show up for me? Right. And is that consistent? And actually like what research shows is that, I mean, I would recommend showing up calmly and without, you know, your own big emotions taking over. Um, But research actually shows that if you are a yeller, then it's better to be consistently a yeller (laughs) versus, well, sometimes I'm going to yell and sometimes I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, it's okay. No, you know, don't worry. That inconsistency is actually the hardest thing for kids. Now, ideally we would consistently show up, um, with our own kind managing our own emotions and being able to be present and support them. Right. And hold them accountable, but in a, in, in a loving way, um, consistently. And it's that, that consistency and them knowing that they can kind of trust what that response is going to be that, um, create safety and, and builds trust in that relationship. Yeah. And even if you end up being the mom, like I am, who is calm and patient about 85% of the time. And unfortunately it's not, you know, there, there's that, that time where I'm just like, but I have learned to be consistent in the way I handle myself afterward in coming Mm -hmm. back again and again and saying, you know what, you know, I'm sorry I yelled or um, I, I was frustrated and, um, and that's okay for me to feel frustrated sometimes, just like it's okay for you or whatever it is, but, but coming home to that line afterwards again and again and hope for the best, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that I'm so glad you said that because a, for the relationship that going back and repairing, right. And, and acknowledging what happened and acknowledging that there might've been some harm caused in the relationship, but you want to repair it. Like you want to kind of acknowledge what happened and, and, um, and then move forward. That's so important and doing it consistently. So then he knows like, 
if, oh, I did some, oh, mom yelled, oh, mom got mad. And I know that it's going to be okay because she's going to come back. Right. And it's not wondering, oh, are we going to talk about it this time? Are we going to forget about it? And then it, and then it's just awkward or is she going to yet come back and yell more? Right. Like, so the pattern is there of like, even if you lose it every once in a while, like they know that you're going to come back afterwards. Um, and, and I think that's awesome. And I, I, I have to say that this is not, this is new for me. This was not how yeah. I parented for about seven and a half years. Let's just say I just started this like a month ago. Um, and, and it was in my soul the whole time it was in here, but I, I, I didn't let it out. I don't know. I'm having like a, you know, a whole change of, especially talking to moms like you. And I've spoken to now many amazing mothers who've got these nuggets of wisdom that just blow me away. And it's like, yes, this feels right. I didn't have Mm -hmm. words for this before, but it feels natural to me and it feels right to me. So I am practicing these words coming out of my mouth. You're safe with me. I will love you no matter what all things I was thinking the whole time, but did not necessarily say. And so every time I say, I, th- I think about what you just said, like it takes a lot of that. I know that for a person to really kind of believe something and internalize it, you got to say it like a lot. So I'm like, all right, I'm at two for the week. <laughs> all right, let's see if I can get to three. Let's set a goal for five. Like if this is new to you and this doesn't come out supernaturally, then you, you kind of have to build it. And every time I say it, just like I did it tonight, I think to myself, okay, that was, that was good. That was another time. That was another time of reminding my child that he is safe with me and that he can act how he wants to act and it won't change how I feel about him, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard, but it is so worth it. And I can feel that. So for you to be able to point out those things, I think is so, so good. And, and in your own parenting journey, did you find that you were able to really just take those skills that you had with the teens and just kind of transfer it over with your daughter? Once I had the realization, (laughs) you know, so up until that point, I think I was feeling like most parents do when all of those behaviors start of like, what do I do? What, you know, what do I do with this toddler? And I, I really, I love that there's, there are so many parenting resources available now. And I just, I want them to get to more parents, you know, and I, it's so easy though. You're like, in the pregnant stage, you know, we're anticipating a baby and you're so focused on the baby, right? Like, because there's so much, there's so much about the baby stage and the eating and the sleeping. And it's just all consuming, just keeping them alive in that period of time. If you've never done that before, or even if you have, (laughs) um, that that's so all consuming the birth, the right pregnancy, all of that. And And it also goes by really darn quickly. And all of a sudden you have a person like a real live human with with these needs. Um, So I do think it was a a process. um, And I found um, another thing that happened around this time when I had that realization is I, we were looking at a a preschool for my daughter and we, we actually didn't end up going there, but now three or four years later, she is going to start there in two weeks. So it's kind of fun, um, full circle, but they use a curriculum called conscious discipline for their like social, emotional and behavior, behavior management. Um, and so we went to a conscious discipline workshop there and it, it was so fun because essentially I was listening to these things. And I'm like, Oh yeah, now everything you're telling me would also 
I can also apply that to the teen. So I actually yes. brought stuff from conscious discipline into the work that I was doing um, with Outward Bound. And it also helped me put it, put all this stuff in the context of say the toddler phase or the preschool phase, because mm-hmm. there, there's those, there are differences, but the core stuff is the same, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is still hard. You know, I had this weekend, my daughter was like super tantrum-y <laughs> like, and she'd had a nice calm phase for a while, but then they pop up again. And yes, I mean, I had to be very intentional and catch myself of how I was responding. And, you know, I still catch myself making a threat now and then, right. Or, or if you don't blah, blah, blah. And, and then I catch myself. Um, but I, I know I'm able then to look back and be like, oh, this is what happened. And this is why that happened. Um, so for example, I, you know, we had a, I don't want to leave the pool tantrum this weekend. And I could look back at it and realize, oh, I told her at least six times that we were leaving and then let her play more. And so of course, <laughs> this, the seventh time when I said, no, now we're really leaving. No, you can't just go run around one more time. Yeah. Of course she was not expecting that. Right. And if she was tired and hadn't really eaten and she had expended all her energy in the pool, et cetera, like, you know, she didn't have a lot of resources in that moment. And so she was, it was unexpected. It triggered her to feel not in control and she started throwing a tantrum, but I can look back and then be like, Oh, that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do something different next time. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important that you're saying that. And that is something that I think my husband and I both struggle with a little bit. And it's like, I I think it just happened tonight. Actually, I think it happens in our house all the time. And this might be part of the issue that we're having with getting our kids to listen because, you know, we're good about the whole, like, okay, giving lots of um, knowledge that this is coming up. We're going to set a timer just so you know, there's five minutes left, whatever, when you're, when your show is over, when whatever, and now it's time for bed. Okay. And nobody moves. And it's like, okay, I said, it, like, it's time for bed. You need to get off the couch. Come on, let's go come into the kitchen. Come on, let's, let's do our thing. Nobody moves and they start, you know, playing with each other, you know, not taking out toys, but just wrestling on the couch or something. And then we end up just kind of, okay, well, the dog, there's the dog. She needs to go out. Let's let the dog out. Um, you know, you know, we're giving them this extra time. And then I'm like, well, I just took the dog out guys. I said it was time for bed. Well, now they've been wrestling for three minutes. Yeah. That kid, that spirals out of control real quick. <laughs> and I think that happens to us all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And transitions are like, transitions are so hard, um, for a lot of kids. (laughs) Um, and another thing that, uh, I think can help with them though, is connecting right before the transition. So, um, I, I think a lot about the brain and, a a simple way to think about the brain. And if anyone who's listening is like a neuroscientist, like, forgive me, this is an oversimplification, but it works for us, you know, kind of lay people. So we can think of our brain having like three sections. And if you put your hand down on like the base of the back of your head, where it meets your neck, 
um, you have like your brain stem and I call it the lizard brain. It's like the part of our brain that was there before we're even humans. And it's, it's where our threat detection system is. And it's the part of our brain that's always saying, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And then if you move up, you have your like limbic system and the emotional center of your brain. I call that the puppy dog brain. It's like the part of the brain that's always asking, am I loved? Am I loved? Am I loved? And then when you move forward to like your forehead, the part that you really want your bike helmet to cover, um, that's our thinking brain. That's where our problem solving skills are, our executive function, like our planning um, and transitioning takes that part of the brain. Um, and in order to add an egg, kids, that part of the brain is not as developed as adults. And in order to really access that part of the brain, we have to feel safe and in control and we have to feel loved. So if they're not feeling in control or they're not feeling loved, and it doesn't mean feeling unloved, right? But like we, we want to like proactively satisfy that part of the brain. Um, so connecting, um, whether it's like, if t- I mean, TV is a great example, sitting down on the couch with them three minutes before the show ends, asking them a question about the show, right? Having some, for, some little bit of connection there. Um, and then when it is time to move, offering a choice about that transition. And maybe it's how they do the transition with, with really younger kids. Like we, I like to do like, do you want to dinosaur walk to the bathroom or do you want to skip to the bathroom to brush your teeth right or do you want to brush your teeth first or use or go potty first right um are we going to put on pjs or are we going to do this first but giving a very simple choice um that helps them to feel in control and and get them to that thinking brain and they are more likely to follow along and and do the transition it doesn't always work but i find most of the time having that connection um, and offering the choice is really helpful. That was a really good specific example that I'm thinking about and how I could, and, and I see that too, because sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling extra patient, which isn't all the time, but it's like getting on the floor with them and it's like, wow, you're, you're working on building this thing. Like, why don't you tell me about it? And they tell me about it. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Well, guess what? It's, it's time for lunch. So, you know, why don't you pick two more pieces to put on or whatever, and then come join me. But sometimes, sometimes you have kids who are defiant and really defiant. And and sometimes you have kids who are extremely strong-willed and sometimes you're in a rush to school or rush to this or that. And so it's, I feel like making that decision to go spend time with them for a few minutes before and asking them questions, that's fantastic except when I can't, or I don't. And I, in order to do that the way it should be done, I mean, I'd be, I'd be doing that sort of thing like 20 million times a day. So how do you, how do you do it in, in the rush of normal life and, and having out of the box kids who might still say, yeah, no, you know what I mean? That's, that's a great real life question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but first I would say, you're saying, I don't have the three minutes to do this. So I'm not going to do it. So I'm just going to tell them it's time to transition and then they're not going to transition. And then you're going to spend how many minutes (laughs) in the back and forth, right. Or the arguing about it. Um, and so 
sometimes it just is making that choice of where to spend the time. Yeah. Um, and we have the time when it's needed because they're not following through and we can't get out the door because they won't go out the door. Right. Yeah. Um, so it is hard, but taking, taking that approach. And, and I think one of the reasons we fall into that also is because we think, even though it's proven to us time and time again, that this is not true, we think that we are in control. And so when we say it's time to go, we have to go to the car that they're going to go, right? Like we, there's something about being a parent that like we assume that's supposed to happen. <laughs> um, right. And ideally it will, and ideally it will, um, but sometimes it doesn't. So that would be one thing is, you know, are you actually spending the time, but you're spending it later and you're spending it in frustration and and in, in power struggling and could you transfer that time to connection and choice um, more proactively? And then I also think there's ways to use structure too, because yeah, could you do this 20 times a day? That might also feel forced to them, right? If 20 times a day you're coming, like, let me sit next to you, especially as they're older, right? Like your kids are not little toddlers anymore. Um, so I like to build things in to the structure or to the routine so that you can lean on that. And then it's not about you. So if you have a daily schedule, say that's posted in your house and you can invite them in the process of creating that schedule and you can offer some choice as they create that schedule, but it's like, we're, we're choosing our schedule. You get to choose, but then we are going to follow the schedule that, that we create together. Right. And you have that posted and that is, you know, this is the order that we do things after this comes this, um, and you do follow through on it. That's, you know, part of it. Then it doesn't have to be about, I'm asking you to do this, right? Like it's, this is the thing we do next, right? And it, and you can transfer some of that, some of that kind of power responsibility over to them as well by saying, Hey, what comes next? Do you want to go check the schedule? Um, so we recently just got a, a product called Rewardums, um, which I actually met the woman, Marlene, you may have met her on Clubhouse. Um, but she created this product and it's like little, um, it, it's like almost like little labels or, you know, but they have different things on them and that you stick them in the order. Um, that you want them. And so we can say, all right, we'll go, like, if she doesn't remember what's next, we'll go check. Um, and that like empowers them in the process. Um, so I, I think that's another thing. And, and eventually like our consequences, part of that, like, I, I find that consequences often are not effective um, if you're, especially if you're overusing them. Um, but if you do have a behavior that's like, I need this to change and <laughs> nothing else is working, then, you know, is there an external consequence that, that would help that could, that again, could not be you taking the burden of like, you're getting mad at me because I'm asking you to do this thing, but it's no, we set this up. You have a choice. You can do that. You know, you can, shut the TV off when it, when it's time, or you can choose not to, but if you choose not to, you know, you're choosing this particular consequence as well. And I also think that sometimes overwhelmed parents 
pick every battle. And it's like, and, and then it becomes this generalized, my child doesn't listen. My child doesn't do what I ask them to. But when you break it down, it's really like a hundred little different things. And, and, and so you, you throw this blanket statement on it and it it's kind of almost feels like, and I've done this. I do. I, I feel this just kind of like, almost like giving up. I, it's not giving up, but it just feels very, yeah, like they don't listen and I've tried and I just, well, and, and this was me, like, what have you tried? Well, you know, we've tried um, taking things away. Well, that doesn't work. And I've tried, um, I've tried reward charts because I don't even know what I was thinking, but that was a bad idea. And that did not work and tried, um, you know, kind of self-evaluation. Like, how do you think you're doing? Bad idea. We can't like, and so, and then because those things didn't work, it was like, well, I don't know. My kids just don't listen. I don't know. I'm doing something wrong. I'm a bad mom. I can't get my kids to listen, but especially my, you know, out of the box kids, especially, and that's an extra layer of, of difficulty. But if you were to break it down, let's take one thing like turning the TV off or like um, washing your hands was a big trigger in my home. When you get home from school, we wash our hands. And that was like big. It's like, let's just deal with one. And what does that need to look like in order to find success and, and, and have your child think that they have the control? I mean, they do, but really get them to feel that by choosing one thing at a time to focus on, mm-hmm. not just this blanket statement. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Now, from here, because I know you have so many really cool pieces of, of what you know and what you talk about and what you do, I want to hear about your um, kindness initiatives as well and take a dive into that. And how, how did you get there from, from where we are in the story? How did you get to that piece? Great question. Um, so as I... In, in my current job, because I, I still work full-time, um, and as part of that, I'm involved in a lot of conversations about social-emotional learning. I've also invo- been involved in, there's a lot of actually like national efforts going on to get more social-emotional learning in schools. And I kind of started having this realization of like, oh, like there's a lot going on to support kids with this, but who's telling the parents? <laughs> You know, like there's a, there, there is a lot going on with getting teachers more educated in, in social emotional learning and how to teach those skills. But I, I just, I think for the most part, parents don't get to hear about it. And you're just, like you said at the beginning, you're assuming, oh, like, of course my kid's going to be kind, or I'm going to tell them to, or teach them to, but what does that really mean? You know? Um, yes. And, and I have to say, as a, as a teacher, I think you're touching on something that's super important that I don't think people are thinking about. Uh, you know, the child is having real trouble behaving in school and come to find out that's how they're behaving at home. Okay, well, we get these behaviors under control in school, but they're still acting out at home. And basically, we're just assuming that every parent knows how to do this job. And speaking from personal experience, we don't, we don't know what we're doing. Someone has to teach us just because you're an adult doesn't mean you don't need education on child development, on, you know, um, the benefits of um, social and emotional learning. I mean, just 
We just assume they don't know. And it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit you don't know. So I think that's great because I, I don't know. I would love to just like hand brochures off to families. Like you and you, no, no offense. You may need some help with this. And that way the teacher and the parent can be on the same page in understanding how to best help their child be successful. So cool. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I would go so far as to say, probably not even may, right? Like probably do. Yes. (laughs) um, Because even, you know, and I I know you have your out of the box kid and a lot of your listeners have your out of the box kids and a lot of, and, and you have your not out of the box kids, right? And, and there are so many intentional things you can do to support them learning these really crucial life skills, like kindness, like teamwork, like persevering through hard things. Um, there's so many things that you can do just through your interactions with them to help them thrive, right? So yes, these things will help kids who are struggling or who are having a hard time managing their emotions or who maybe are, are naturally more experiencing more challenge in these areas. And they help any kid really thrive and become their, their best selves. Um, so as I started thinking, Oh, like I have all this knowledge and man, if I didn't have it, what would my life parenting be like? Right? Like it's still hard. And I have all of this, like, Whoa, that, that would be really hard if I didn't, how can I share some of that? Um, and so I, you know, decided I want to start a business and I want to start providing support for parents and bringing this knowledge to them. Um, and so I'm still in the early phases of that as I work full-time and have two small kids. So it is slow going. Um, but as I really tried to hone in on, you know, what do I want to offer? At least what do I want to offer first? Um, I, I put out a resource. I have a free resource. It's called five minute meltdown magic. And it's about um, responding to kids when they're having big emotions, meltdowns and tantrums. And that is, is still available. It's at five minute meltdown magic.com. And I love that topic. I love helping kids with that. But, but I also was like, ah, but there's something more. Like I want to be more proactive. Like I want to help parents get, the skills for thriving, right? Not just for solving the problems and the skills for, for helping kids thrive also help you solve the problems, but it's a different goal, right? So I really thought about, well, what do I want for my kids and what's my why with my own kids? And those, if I, I teach people to boil it down to three things, if you can, like, what are your big three? And so for me and, and my husband, it's kindness courage and understanding, um, and managing their emotions in healthy ways. Um, and so from there, I was like, okay, turns out a lot of people want their kids to be kind. Um, so in a, in a recent survey that parents magazine did, that was the number one value that people wanted to instill in their kids. And they didn't always feel confident in doing that. Um, so that has, has inspired me for the, the first course that I'll be offering is the roadmap to raising kind kids. And of course, parents saying that they, you know, that was like the number one thing. 
and yet the cyberbullying and the total disrespect that has really in one breath i mean adults will say yeah you know absolutely my kid needs to be kind they need to be respectful and then in the second breath kids these days they're so disrespectful right where is that disconnect coming from from what parents are assuming there it is again that their kids are just going to naturally pick up on how to to actually be kind and what what does kindness even mean i think i think kindness gets sometimes confused with nice um especially for a, a child being nice it's like you know hey how are you today so and so it's nice to see you in class and like hi i'm good how are you you know okay well that was nice like good job you used some manners I wouldn't say that's showing kindness. I mean, I had a student drop a whole water bottle on the floor today and the kid next to him, which I had to admit, I was pleasantly surprised, jumped out of his seat and ran to get paper towels, got on the floor and wiped it up. Now that's kind, right? And so I don't even think we parents necessarily even have the vocabulary fully understood. So the fact that you're doing this and bringing awareness to it so, so, so important. I love that. Yeah. I, I agree about the vocabulary. Often I hear people talk about kindness and then what they're really talking about is politeness. Um, and I'm not saying politeness is bad, (laughs) um, but they are different. And I think of kindness as helping someone feel seen, heard and valued. And it's a skill. And yes, sometimes we do it easily, but I'm sure we can all think of times that we have missed an opportunity to be kind, right? Where maybe we even remember it and look back on it. Like, Ooh, I could have done, yes. I could have done the kind, the kind thing in that moment. And I didn't. Yes. And we can probably all think of times that we've been unkind Yes. as well. Right. Like actively. Mm-hmm not help someone feel that way. Um, and so it, it is a skill. It, it's the complex skill also, you know, you have to notice. So your, your student situation, it's a great example. The other student had to notice, Oh, not just, Oh, I noticed that the water spilled, but probably also noticed the kid who spilled the water was feeling a little uncomfortable about it, or we didn't know what to do. Right. Like they noticed something about that person that said, oh, like something's going on here. And then there's empathy, right? So connecting with that on a feeling level. And then you have to problem solve a little, right? Like, well, what could I do? And and this is happening in an instant in this case, but Sometimes you have more time, um, you know, you do problems of, oh, can I help or could I help? And then sometimes you really have to get past an uncomfortable feeling. Like sometimes when you're doing a kind thing, there's some nervousness involved, right? Or some risk involved. What if I do this and they, they actually don't want the help, you know, or for that kid, what if I get up and do this, but the teacher actually gets mad at me because I'm not supposed to be on my seat right now, right? So there's like some overcoming of discomfort usually and then move it and then moving into the actual action so it's like a pretty complex thing that's happening yes. um, 
when you do something kind. I completely agree with that, especially for kids who are just uncomfortable, I think, putting themselves out there and they want to do the kind thing, but then people would see them. People would look at them. My out of the box child says to me all the time, I, in fact, it just happened tonight. He's a complicated one, this child about the medicine. And he said, once we agreed to the Hershey's kiss and we got that settled, I was like, do you, he likes when I don't watch him. He doesn't want me to watch him. He said, don't watch me. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to watch you. And he said, don't tell me you're proud of me. And I was like, why? And he said, you know, I I don't like, I don't, I don't want to be proud of myself because I, I didn't want to do this and I'm doing it, but I'm not proud of myself. And I don't want you to show me that you're proud of me either. And I was like, okay, buddy. So he's like, he said, actually, don't say anything at all. (sighs) This is my child on a regular basis. When it comes to kindness, he was denying showing himself kindness because showing that whether it's for someone else or for yourself, you have to kind of go outside your comfort zone a little because you have to say, wow, I did something great. And that doesn't always feel good, especially when you didn't want to do that thing in the first place. So for my student who wanted to help, he wanted to help with the water bottle. If I said, hey, can you, can you help a kid out there? He dropped the whole water bottle. Go on, go get paper towels. You know, begrudgingly, he'd probably, you know, get them. And if I was like, hey, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for listening. Or they, you know, he'd be growling because that wasn't what he wanted, but because it was on his own, you know, when he saw, like you said, there was that empathy and that connection. And like, he saw the need to do that. But when it comes to be kind to yourself, that's something that at least my child struggles with a lot. So mm-hmm. it is complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. Well, and one of the steps that I teach is validating your kids. And so because essentially that's what kindness is, right. Is, is a process of validating someone else. So I think of like my first time picking up, um, both kids from daycare by myself, like, and I got them to the car. Well, I got them almost to the car. I got the little one in the car seat and the other, the older one dropped her pictures and was like, you know, back crying, screaming, like, come, I need help getting my pictures, blah, blah, blah. So I like put the little one in the car seat and I didn't strap him in as, and then I'm running back to help her, but he's like about to fall out of his car seat. And another mom like saw me and went over and held him, you know, in his car seat until I could get back over. And she didn't have to do that. Right. Like she could have given me the, like, oh my gosh, you're a mess look like I'm so glad I'm not that mom look right but but she didn't and she stopped and I felt I felt seen I felt validated that like oh okay like someone else saw this and and understood what I was going through and it was oh and it's okay that I was going through this right like I'm not experienced judgment like it's okay that I'm going through this um so I think that's like kindness is validating but it's hard to do that for others if you haven't experienced it yourself, right? Um, and so that's, you know, I think a first step for parents with kids is validate your kids, validate their emotions, validate their feelings, whether you agree with them or not, whether they're the way you would feel or not. 
it's, it is their feeling and it's okay that they have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, and it might take some kids a lot longer than others. <laughs> and, and some kids might need, you know, a lot more validation before they get to the point where they can start to offer that to other people. Um, but I think that's a really, that that's a key place to start. Mm. And what I'm thinking about right now is that I think, I think people, children who struggle to show kindness to others feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. And the guiltier they feel and the more shame they feel about that, the harder it is to do. And I'm just thinking both with my own child and students I've had in the past where it's like, you know, they really had trouble showing kindness to other people. But in every one of those cases, they weren't showing it to themselves. They were struggling Mm -hmm. on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they weren't showing kindness to others. And and again, like you said, we're talking about what is being kind. If it's something that you didn't have to do, you could have kept walking or you, you could have kept your mouth shut. You didn't have to do that. It's not saying please and thank you, like you said. Those are kind things. But typically a child isn't going to step out of their comfort zone and, and do something for someone else when they can't take care of themselves yet. You know, mm-hmm. they can't treat themselves with respect that they need. So no wonder why my out of the box child has, has trouble being kind. And, and it's hard because you want to get on him and be like, Hey, like, come on, you need to be kind to your sister. But he first needs to be kind to himself. Maybe I should mm-hmm. be starting there before mm-hmm. I jump to everybody else. Yeah. yeah. And one, one way to help kids be kind to themselves, I think, is to help them really understand that their behavior is not them, right? And, and even that their feelings are not them as well. Um, so I, I like helping kids like, Oh, you could even personify feelings, right? Like we love the movie inside out. Um, and we, my daughter just really kind of latched on to that idea, um, in the movie that it's like feelings in a, um, 12 year old, I think in her head. And it's like, her emotions are the characters and there's, well, as we call it madness, I don't think it's called madness in the movie, but it's, it's madness and it's fear and, and joy and sadness and disgust. And so we will talk about those feelings, like kind of as the characters, like, oh, madness really took over, didn't they? You know, and, and it's, it, yes, we are our emotions, but we are separate from our emotions as well. And so helping them get that distance of like, oh, this wasn't me. Like, yes. And they do have to take accountability for their behavior, but yeah, madness did take over because generally when madness takes over, like they're not very in control, right? Like they're not really making the choices, like they're making the choices, but they're not. Um, and so helping them kind of separate that, like, oh, this big emotion that took over. Oh, and then how can I maybe do something different the next time madness shows up? Um, and then helping them separate their behavior from themselves as well. Right. Like we are, you are an amazing kid and you are a kind kid. And in that moment you did something that wasn't, but that doesn't change that you're an amazing kid. Correct. And the more times that a child 
is struggling and they may act out and we as parents or educators miss those opportunities to say that exact thing, then inside of them it sits and it piles on and it piles on and it piles on. And that's where you get the, I'm a bad kid. There's no way. I, why would I do something nice for someone? And, and, it, and, and that's where it starts. It starts young. These cycles that we see children turning into the teens who are, who are struggling, into adults who are struggling. And I do think it really starts very young on being validated and, and heard and understood. So that's, that's a really important point too. I, I think it's so cool that you were able to just use so much knowledge that you have in your, your work and being a mom to put all this together in this very sort of clear package that parents can just take and apply right away. That's awesome. Yeah, really good stuff. So what else do you have? <laughs> um, so that's, that's the main thing I'm focusing on now. And I'm uh, hoping by late summer to have the course yep. launched. Um, and from there, we'll see. I mean, I, I want to continue, you know, this is th- this course, it's, it's called the Roadmap to Kind Kids. And it is, it talks about, we'll talk about the brain and using the brain, meeting kids' needs um, proactively. Um, We'll talk about choosing what are your three big things, right? Like what's your why? Um, What are the things that that can guide and drive the decisions that you make with your kids? We'll talk about validating emotions and modeling, right? How do we as the adult model the behaviors that we want to see? Because um, more is caught than taught, right? So they're going to actually take a ton from just seeing how we're acting. So how do we model for them? Um, and then we'll also go into embrace, embracing a restorative approach to discipline. So, you know, that we're not living in this fairy tale world where, where the kids are always going to do what we hope that they do or, or follow the rules or, you know, um, but then how do we address that in a way that's restorative and focused on repairing harm that's caused and maintaining and building trust as opposed to punitive like punishments and um, taking taking the things away and um, bribes and things like that. Um, so yeah, so I, I see it as a really great kind of just basic parenting course, right? Like oh, I've got this tiny human in front of me right now, or I've got this 10-year-old that I am now struggling with more than I used to, right? Like it's it's good for that check-in point too. Um, and then I hope from that to do more on kind of specific social emotional skills as well. Um, because, you know, we'll talk a little in this course about courage, but I think courage really goes hand in hand with kindness. Um, And so I'd love to doing hard things, sticking with hard things, persevering. um, You know, I'd love to get into that more as well. Yeah, I like that. Um, And I think those do go hand in hand for sure. I, um, I think that this course would be a really great transition from, for mothers and parents who are leaving the world of traditional parenting, which that's me. I'm raising my hand. I slowly feel myself slipping away from something that just isn't really making sense anymore. And it did make so much sense. But even when you start to realize that for, for those parents who are in that position, 
because it doesn't work with my children, especially one. And then I go, oh, but what do I do instead? And it feels overwhelming and messy. And so I really like the idea of this for you and, and kind of like, hey, it's, it's like basic parenting, but it's also this switch from mm-hmm. this old fashioned sort of um, authoritarian uh, approach that parents took for so long. So that's really cool. So you're busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel that as a, that's a, this is a separate conversation, I suppose, but um, working a full-time job, as you can see, it's like, my eyes are like all over the place on yeah. Friday, Friday night teachers. Like I'd actually probably do better talking to you with my eyes closed. And I thought, <laughs> my um, but, but that full-time and then you got the little ones and then you're also, you got these big ideas inside you. And it's like, I've got to share these with people. So I feel you and I are on the same page with that. Yes. I feel that. <laughs> How do like, I I don't know how you do it, but I struggle with the time management and balance. I struggle with balance. Most of all, it is, it is tricky. Um, and you know, you mentioned we met on clubhouse, um, probably, I think it's been about five months or so, um, that I've been on that platform and I've definitely had to dial it back. Um, I love it. It is an amazing place to connect with people and to share and, like such great parenting conversations there. And yeah, it takes a lot of time as well. Um, One thing that has been helpful for me, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying I figured this out as at all, but again, I have like a framework that helps me when I'm not feeling good or I'm feeling stressed to kind of figure out what it is. Um, And so I do something called a pulse check where I check in on my basic needs and this is great for kids too, but it's, it's wonderful for kids. I teach it in my course, but I, it is just as wonderful for us as grown up. So it's looking at like our five main basic needs as humans, which are our physiological needs, our need to feel useful and in control, loved and connected, have solitude, moments of solitude and enjoyment or fun. And so those are like, the things that if they're met for us, like if all of our needs are met, those are the moments when we're our best selves. And when they're not met, those are the moments when we're not our best selves. And some of our, you know, if you have that moment where you're like, Ooh, that was not the me that I want to be. Oftentimes one of those five needs was the driver of that. Um, so I have been pulse checking myself a lot recently. (laughs) Um, I was really struggling with mornings for a while. Um, I would not say I'm fully over that, but I, I, I was like, okay, so what is it about the morning? Like I was just not being nice. Like I wasn't, I was not showing up well (laughs) for my family in the morning. And I realized, oh, I am not feeling useful and in control in the mornings. And the moment that I'm waking up, I'm tending to other people's needs immediately. So, okay, how can I meet my own need to feel useful and in control before I go and start meeting all these other people in my family's needs? Well, I, I tried the whole early morning routine for a, a little while. <laughs> um, you know, let me wake up at, at five 30 for the kids. Yeah. Oh, and then go. my, then my. <laughs> Uh, toddler started waking up 
at that time. Oh no. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is not working. I'm waking no. up earlier, not getting any more time for myself. But what I have stuck with that I started then, and now I've just taken it into, you know, just not waking up as early, but I will use the bathroom, brush my teeth, wash my face, put on clothes. And I'm going to do those things before I leave my room and go attend to anyone else. And if that means he's in his crib fussing for five extra minutes, that's okay. Because I am going to show up as a better me when I get there than if I rushed out without meeting those needs for myself. So it's like, I'm doing a little bit for myself. Like I'm feeling like, okay, I did my thing. Like I washed my face. Mm -hmm. I have lotion on. Like, and I brush my teeth and I'm wearing clothes and now I can go and I can attend to other people's needs. And, you know, it's, it's not ideal. There's definitely more that I could do, but right now in this stage of life, that's not going to happen, but this is the one thing I can do. Um, yeah. So that's been helpful. Like I'm missing a lot of connection right now, COVID and young kids, right? Like it's, I, but I can recognize that like, oh, right. I haven't talked to a friend in a while. That's why I'm feeling kind of yucky right now. You know, how can I meet that love and connection need? And maybe it's just sending a text message or, you know, going on clubhouse and listening in on a room where I hear someone talking about something that is similar to what I'm going through, but how can I just find little ways to meet that need for love and connection? Um, That's great. So, yeah. So that tool, the, the pulse check has, has been helpful um, for me and, and figuring out like, okay, maybe I do need to scale back the business a little in order to have some fun, (laughs) because if I'm not having fun, then I'm not going to do as good of a job with this. Mm -hmm. I love the pulse check. I think that is genius, genius. Um, I want that in like giant poster form, like this big and you just have it on the wall and like, that would be so cool to see it that way. Um, might need to create that. I mean, I, I love, I, you know, submitted like a TEDx talk application, who knows if it'll get about that. And I'm like, I would love for that to be how classrooms are run. Yes. You know, are we meeting the first thing is like, are we meeting our kids needs? Because if a kid's acting out in the classroom, it's going to be one of those five things. Yes. Um, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, parents, like if you have that and you're looking at your kid's behavior, like, Oh, Oh, there a lot of times we think like, they're looking for connection. Are they really, or we're like, we yeah. think they're looking for attention. Yeah. Are they, are they looking for attention? Like, do they want to feel useful Yeah. or are they looking for connection? Do they actually just want a little love? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it can help us understand their behavior and then respond in ways that actually meet the need. Um, instead of some traditional ways that would not meet the need. <laughs> I would be more than happy to sort of pilot this in my classroom. Yeah. Uh, like maybe when they walk through the door in the morning and it's kind of like, mm. let's take a look at the poster. Let's see what you need. And if any of those things can be done by me, are you, you know, basic, what is it? Is a connection? Like you're dying to tell me something about your night. Um, or you, you, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I would love to implement that. And then sometimes it's honestly easier to implement things like this in a classroom than with my own kids. Right. <laughs> but then, yeah. How could I use that in my home? And, and, but I'd have to model it. 
like I would have to do a pulse check in front of the kids and say, I am really missing this piece right now. Like I need mm-hmm. this rather than mommy's had a hard day and that's enough and I can't take <laughs> anymore and I need a break. Like, that's a little too much for the kids. Cause then when they do that back to me, I'm like, don't yell, you know? So perhaps modeling that, oh, I want to do that. That is, it's just so good. All of it's good, but I really, you've got something with that one. That one, that could get you your TED talk. I, I hope so. I, I do want to figure out how to, how to share that because I think yes. it's super valuable. And in so many ways, um, you know, I think about burnout, right? Like you're at your job and you're feeling burnout, like well, then one of your needs isn't being met by that job, right? Like, and, and which is it? And then are there tweaks you can make to help? 100%. I hope you don't mind me yawning on while I'm on mute. No. It's, it's not you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the thing. That is the thing. And it's like, I need to assess myself. I need to teach my kids how to assess themselves. And I can assess mm-hmm. and say, after a very long week on a Friday night, here's what I need. It's sleep. And it's also, it's also breathing a sigh of relief that I've gotten to the end of a hard week. Now Mm -hmm. for kids, it's nine times out of 10 for my own personal children, especially my out of the box child, what he's missing from the list is connection. And I know it because he's flat out asking me for it. And that's Mm -hmm. when you hear the, can you play with me? Will you sit with me? Um, you know, and, and of course you, you want to say yes to those things every time, but sometimes you don't, because it's like, well, I'm in the middle of doing something right now, buddy, I'll be with you in a few minutes. But like, that's not what they asked. They were looking for a moment right then they were needing that moment Mm -hmm. and yeah, they can wait or you could fill up that cup and you could meet them right there and what they need. And hopefully they can go on now to do something kind for someone um, follow the directions. And, and so, yeah, I really, really, really like your, your pulse check concept. It's so good. Yeah. I think of them as like balloons, you know, and if you're holding your balloons, they kind of keep you up, you know, like they keep you up, but when they're, once they're deflated, you're sagging down. (laughs) I love that. That's, that's funnier and and a better image for kids than maybe filling your cup because fill your cup with what mom, um, (laughs) wine. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I like the balloon example better. I think that that is just so good. You you've got a lot of really good tools here. I'm excited to see, you know, where you go with them and and watch them take off. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. This, this new, I mean, entrepreneur life is very new to me. So I'm really learning as I go and, and feel you know, lucky to have a full-time job. And so I, you know, I, I was initially pushing, I wanted to get the course launched in June (laughs) and June is next week. Yeah. And I just had to check myself and say, why am I pushing for this? Right? Like I'm still going to help the people. I'm still going to get it out. And I need to take care of myself a little more along the way. So like, let me take the pressure off and shoot for late summer instead. So you gave yourself a pulse check. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. So Katie, how can, how can people find you? I mean, some people may want to just get in touch with you like via social media and and just connect. Others may want to have more access, you know, to um, the pieces that you're talking about in the future course and all of that. So where can people find you? 
Yeah. So Instagram is a great place. I'm there. Um, Katie Dalby parenting. Uh, and I, my email is Katie at katiedalby.com if you'd like to send me an email. And I have a free resource, um, the keys to kindness. So that's, you can just go to keys to kindness, like T-O kindness, um, .com and put in your email address there and it'll send it to you. And that would also um, put you on my email list. So you would get announcements like when the course is starting. Um, and if, if tantrums and meltdowns and big emotions are your thing right now, um, that's a similar process. If you go to, um, five minute meltdown magic.com. Um, and if you type your email address in there, I'll send you the, um, resource that walks you through six, six strategies that I used with my daughter, um, when she was having like hour long meltdowns, um, and really helped us reduce them to generally like a couple minutes and then moving through it. That is invaluable. I know a lot of the mother listeners have um, children who have big emotions and throw some really long meltdowns as my child does. That is so cool. So Katie, you're putting in the work. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this goes and watch you, you take off. Um, I'll be able to be like, Oh, I knew her when, remember when she was on this show, because you're going to have all of these amazing tools and resources that parents can, can use with the background that you have, um, and the expertise that you have. I just think what you're offering is, is a gift. So I'm super excited to see this happen for you. So thank you so, so much for coming on here and, and sharing all that. And really, I'm, I'm really thankful to have you. Oh, thank you so much. And I also feel like I'm continuing to learn so much through this process. Um, And so, you know, listening to your podcast and all the amazing people that you have on, it's like every episode I learn something new or I put something in a new context, um, which is really wonderful as well. So keep at it because I'm really enjoying listening also. Thank you. Thank you for that pick me up. I appreciate that big time. I'm so fun to start to do these passion projects and I know you get that feeling and it's like, Ooh, I just want to like do this. I just want to do it all the time. So fun. Um, And it's meaningful and it's fulfilling because you know that what you are doing is, is impactful and, and it's working for your own children. And that's really key. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's stay in touch, Katie, but this was so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at On the Hard Days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.